one of the other parts of the job, I had to edit all the contact sheets and choose which photos go into the magazine for, of the men. <laughs> Here's a 17-year-old girl choosing these muscle men. It was just the weirdest in, thing. In this job that the government is subsidizing. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> Welcome to Did I Do That? It's a podcast about making graphic design and making mistakes because it's all part of the process. I'm Sean Schumacher, and joining me today, a very special guest. She's an instructor at the Idea School of Design at Capilano University and previously taught at the Vancouver Film School. Uh, she's worked in-house at the Hudson's Bay Company and Woodward's Department Stores and also in advertising at BBDO and DDB. Also, she's a founding partner and co-creative director of Hangar 18 here in Vancouver, where we are recording today. It's Vita Yursik. Did I get um, it right? <laughs> close. Yurchic. Yurchic. Vita Yurchic. Okay. It, anything close is fine. Uh, thank you so much for being here and also for bringing me in. You've, you've been like super duper welcoming to me. Oh, um, sweet. We met like two nights ago, right? Yeah. Um, I, I reached out to you uh, to see if you wanted to be on the show, and you invited me to just an incredible, like I, the first party I've been to since before the pandemic. Uh, even I not think a big it was party. The person. first for a lot of people. Yeah, and it was a pirate party. Arr. It was, and like that doesn't, I think, fully convey the amount of build out, like actual build out that happened. You built a whole like structure around the pool with like a mast out of wood. This <laughs> that is was not my like a cardboard thing. <laughs> that was my partner, Dean. He's he's amazing. He's loves doing woodwork and gardening, so it's great. Yeah. I mean it, it's just a little little paradise that we yeah. stepped into. Um but so you you are you're a designer here in Vancouver. Yes, designer uh, and art director and creative director. I've done it all. And you're and you're teaching. And like, I'm teaching, yeah. And I think that's really important, like just giving back. I love teaching. Actually, I w I'm an alumni. I actually well, went there in the 1970s, late 70s. Oh yeah, yeah, for two years because it was a two year program then, and it didn't have university status. So years later, one of my old instructors invited me to teach. What was that was that like to go from like student to to teacher? There? Well, it was really scary because I've never taught. <laughs> well, that's I mean that's also the secret of all university <laughs> teachers is they don't really train you or give no. you really any information, even basic information like where the bathrooms. Oh, are. No, oh totally, yeah. But I had I have to say the people that hired me there they were really welcoming and I actually enjoyed coming up with ideas for projects a lot of crazy ideas I had students going all over the campus back in the early years looking for objects and designing album covers based on the <laughs> object they found and, <laughs> so oh they were, my gosh it's a design scavenger hunt yeah it was it was a design scavenger hunt it was so much fun I they, love that so it. much that's really fantastic <laughs> and I like I was also really amazed at the work that comes out of the school like oh, cool. just some really really gorgeous stuff and your students have won a bunch of awards they too. have I've actually I'm very very proud of my students I've had over 80 of them win awards wow. over the years and actually unprecedented first years won awards and they got into applied arts and that's wild they've done really really well you know so I'm very proud of them they're my kids I never had biological kids of my own so my students are my kids yeah you get to you get to really yeah. bond with with folks in mm -hmm. this kind of role like it's such a special thing and yeah. yeah yeah to be able to like have that kind of like thing going out into the world too is like really special like well i'm an award-winning designer <laughs> i'm not but <laughs> they are um it was great I, I won an award for journalism in high school so yeah that, i did win an award i did too um yeah so <laughs> congrats <That's awesome. laughs> Thank i think that might actually be the first acknowledgement i've ever gotten for that <laughs> terrible award uh yeah they gave me they gave me a very weird plaque i want to say that was like signed really printed uh with bill clinton's signature well, on it <laughs> honestly it's not as bad as i once won a best costume award when i was a, a teenager and i won a giant bag of bananas <laughs> so there you go i'm sure you're why would better. they do that what <laughs> it was That's weird such a, it was some croatian such a punishment prize 
Like, oh, I hope you can eat 50 bananas yeah, today because totally. they're going to be bad tomorrow. Yeah, like, nice monkey suit. Here are your bananas. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, my God. All right. You're making me cry with laughter. I, that's, I... <laughs> <laughs> we haven't even gotten into the flubs yet. <laughs> no, this is I this is beautiful. Um oh my god. Uh yeah, so I but um, <laughs> now, I have to, now I have to put my brain back on track and remember what the hell I was going to do. Um oh, yeah, so we were going to talk about you went and taught at the program that you came out of. Mm-hmm. Um but what yeah, what was it like going to going to school? Uh, there and like well first of all the campus is absolutely gorgeous it's set up in the mountains and yeah you're in you're in north van yeah in north vancouver and back then in the, there weren't as many houses around so i just remember during breaks going out and sitting amongst these hundred foot trees and writing oh my in gosh. my journal it was just amazing the air was beautiful very inspiring it's still a beautiful campus oh it's yeah still gorgeous setting and uh, I was lucky enough, I, you know, I, my first job between first and second year was actually in design. Well, so what was that? That was, believe it or not, they, back then they had this program where the government funded half your employment. Oh, so a little subsidy. I answered, That's nice. Yeah, I answered an ad for the International Match Corporation thinking that, hey, I'll be designing matchbook covers. So I walk in for my interview and I see all these photos on the wall, these posters of bodybuilders. And I thought, oh, my God, what the heck is this? It turns out it was a job doing layout design by hand, because back then there were no computers, for Looking Good magazine. <laughs> that so, was printed. A little bit of a front, perhaps. Totally, yeah. And they Innocuous were also... matchstick company. <laughs> exactly. And they were the sponsor of the Mr. North America pageant that was happening in Vancouver. So here I was. I was only like 17 years old because I skipped grade 10. So I graduated at 16. I was working with this old guy. It was just the two of us in the office, and he was putting on this competition. I remember he used to wear these denim suits with giant embroidered peacocks down the legs, like they were flared <laughs> pants. Wait, he wore these every day? He wore these every day oh, to work. God. It was just the weirdest thing. Did, did he have multiple pairs, or is this just one very stinky peacock pants? Probably stinky peacock. Oh. I have no idea where he, <laughs> what happened to him, but... Um, no, he used to drive me around and he had this giant black Cadillac and he took me to the Queen Elizabeth Theater and asked for my advice on how to do the stage for the Mr. North America pageant. So I wow. said, well, well, let's put some big Greek columns in there or something, you know, this Adonis thing that... Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. And then he made me hand letter a giant banner for it. And then he left me at the office the day of the competition and he said, Arnold's going to be calling you from the airport. And I... that is the Arnold Schwarzenegger. Oh. He was Mr. Universe at the time. Oh, oh. <laughs> and he, so oh. He, all I had to do is tell him that there was a car on its way for him. And sure enough, the phone rang. I was alone in the office and it was Mr. Schwarzenegger. And I, but, got to I mean, he's, to him. so he's Mr. Universe, but he's not Mr. No. Movie star. He's no, he's th- not. Not Conan before... the Barbarian or. No. Wow. This was before his movie career. And uh, I just reassured him that he's going to be well taken care of and that was it so it was my five minutes on the phone with Arnold Schwarzenegger <laughs> it's oddly enough years later I saw him in a coffee shop with his son on Robson Street I remember I was with my then partner Sean whose name was Sean also and we were having coffee and he said hey look it's Arnold and sure enough Arnold says to his son keep walking <laughs> Cold, cold. So I've had Arnold. two brushes with Arnold. Wow. I mean, I he, I'm sure he must get that all the time. He's, oh, I'm sure. Yeah. He's he stands out a bit in a crowd. Yeah, absolutely. He is as big as he looks on screen. Is he really? Yeah. I mean, cold. he looks like he's 12 feet tall. Yeah. No, he's pretty tall. He's well over six feet. And he's at his most muscly at the Mister Universe time too. Yeah, so he's he was. he's like as wide muscle wise as yeah. he is tall. Totally. Yeah, I still remember all the poses that they did because one of the other parts of the job, I had to edit all the contact sheets and choose which photos go into the magazine for, of the men. <laughs> Here's a 17-year-old girl 
choosing <laughs> these muscle men. It was just the weirdest in, thing. In this job that the government is subsidizing. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Those were the days. What I'm curious what your criteria were for which which shots were a go. Well, actually, my boss, he showed me the typical poses, what they should be doing. And it, the criteria was how defined, how well-defined the muscles oh, were. You're looking for the most sculptural. The most, most sculptural and also the expressions. Oh. I didn't want them to look like they're in pain or <laughs> constipated. <laughs> Arnold sneezing. <laughs> exactly. There was another guy who was actually, like, I've had a bit of a crush on. His name was Mike Menser. Oh. So he was also in the competition. Do you remember what his thing was? Like... No, I just remember he was big. Just big. Right? But I honestly, I wasn't attracted to muscle men back then. I liked the skinny goth guys. So it's, <laughs> it was totally. So not not quite a perfect match. No, not a perfect here. match. It was more about having a critical eye. How, how long did you stay at the at the magazine, at well, the match it, company? That was just a summer job. Oh. So it was only a few months. By September, it was over. Had you, had you like really done any... I mean, it sounds like you were mainly kind of doing contact sheet type stuff. Were you doing... Oh, you were doing layouts. I was doing marker layouts for some of the more important spreads. Yeah. And I was coming up with concepts because even at that young age, I I loved advertising from the moment I could walk. And uh, I remember I had to do a spread on vitamins for bodybuilding. So what I did is uh, I thought, hey, it's all about cod liver oil and you know, that kind of fish-derived stuff. So I thought, let's put all the pills in the shape of a fish. So I thought for a 17-year-old <laughs> that's, girl, that's that was pretty, pretty clever. Pretty yeah. <laughs> at the time, you know. So they, the magazine lasted, I think, three issues, and I only worked on the one issue that summer, and that, that was it. <laughs> <laughs> Short-lived, but yeah. well-loved. Yeah, totally. Um, I should also say, if you're hearing any sounds, listeners, um, we're not technically in Hangar 18. We're in a space adjacent to Hangar 18 in in a building, um, which is like on the main tourist drag in in Vancouver. Like we're like a block <laughs> away from the steamy clock, uh, the toot toot clock. It really does toot too, which I it really does, didn't yeah. anticipate. It's a very delightful discovery. Mm-hmm. It's not just kind of gassy. Um, but yeah, this is the, the space that we're in is, uh, not a recording studio so much as it is a kitchen and pool room and gym entry to a gym. <laughs> so if you so, hear heavy gym doors opening, that's what I'm closing. That's yes. <laughs> if you hear, uh, a, a gentleman coming in to microwave his lunch and yeah. listening <laughs> very <laughs> loudly right. to a TV show, um, yeah. that may also be a, an energy yeah. that we're bringing At to least that. it's better than our boardroom where the windows are open and you hear people walking down the street screaming the f word so you don't want you don't want that <laughs> well we've got a list a lot of listeners in portland they're used yeah. to that <laughs> um that's that's just yeah. every day um so you yeah so you're you're doing this as a summer job you're doing some layout um and you're you're going back to school like what was the rest of your school time like it was great like back then again no computers so a lot of stuff done by hand we had photography i had to develop my own film and do all that. So I really got great training, not just in design and typography, but also in creative direction, conceptual thinking, because all our time and effort was really spent on the idea yeah. and the concept and on technical skills, like hand skills, drawing. We had two different illustration classes. I got that really good grounding. Like when computers came about in the 80s, I was self-taught. Really? Now I'm, now I'm teaching my students how to do things, but I actually completely... The first course I took was at the local elementary school. It was called Mac for the Completely Terrified. I didn't even know how to turn one on. <laughs> so I took this course just to know how to turn the thing on because I didn't want to be embarrassed at work. What, when about was this? would have been in the 80s. Wow. Uh, so early days. Early days, yeah. And back then, the programs were different. Like my first Mac was a Mac Classic. Oh, yeah, yeah, and, yeah. One of which, the, the classic, uh, you know, yeah, yeah, square little tall square boys. things. And we had a dot matrix printer that made terrible noise. Oh, I, and, I remember those image writers. Yeah, yeah, they were, they were unbelievable. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And <laughs> the programs were different. We had Freehand and Quark Express. Oh, yeah. Those were the ones I learned on. But, you know, after a while, it becomes pretty intuitive. 
I think nobody really knows every program perfectly because there's so many tricks. Yeah, and I mean, they yeah. uh, like that too. Yeah. Like they don't last forever. I no. think there's this there's this sense sometimes that students yeah. have where they're like, "Teach me the software." Well, it's not about the you're software. not going to be using the software your whole career. Well, that's the thing I try and tell my students. It's not about the tools. Yeah, it's not about the pencil. You know, or the, it's about what you do with it. You so, can you can just go thinking. watch a YouTube tutorial. You're exactly. here to learn how to think about solving a problem. Totally. Now you can Google anything. Yeah. It's it's great. So I've been very lucky. I've had this career that I've seen like the beginnings of things. It's been cool. So you, you're getting out of school. And yeah. did you have any like work lined up? Well, actually, at the time, one of my instructors, he had some connections at the Hudson's Bay Company. A big deal up which here. Which was really, yeah. And he got me an interview and he said, you know what? They really are looking for someone right now. And if they offer you a job, for God's sake, take it. I will <laughs> sort out your courses so that you can pass. So oddly That's enough, my teacher. fourth year, this was at, I was at Emily Carr at that time, which back then was Vancouver School of Art. Because I did first and second year at CAF and then third and fourth at Vancouver School of Art. Hmm. It was a very small class. There were only seven of us. In my oh, class. Wow. And only one other woman, and she was also Croatian, so we had fun. So he lined up this interview for me, and they offered me a job, and they actually held the job for me all summer because I went to Europe after graduation uh, with my mom and then came back and had a job lined up. But what got me in were, and this was great advice from my instructor, he said, don't spend time polishing a turd. You know, he said, <laughs> like, make this... <laughs> all about the thinking process. And so I had all these marker comps of, like I came up with this idea of what can you do with a finger? So I did all these creative little sketches of what you can do with a finger, but really <laughs> crazy things. You know, a finger with butterfly wings, you know, a finger, uh, I don't even remember, as a worm or whatever, like just all sorts of crazy, nutty things. And are that th got these are the like job. iconographic Kind well, of they were or... just, it was all done with markers. It was hand oh, done. Wow. And I just glued them all on a couple of pages in my portfolio. And I think that's what got me the job because they were so impressed with my marker comp skills. Because back then, yeah, when you were art directing photography and they had an in-house studio, I would have to sketch out how I wanted something shot, what the angle is, what kind of lighting. You'd have to specify all the lighting. Oh, wow. And you'd have to also indicate the type, which means you have to hand letter the type and you indicated body copy with lines yeah and then you write the letting you would say it's 12 point on 12 on 14 and then we'd have typesetters who would actually print out galleys of type and that they would be cut out and put through a waxing machine and then that would be assembled by uh paste-up artists and the paste-up artists were a couple of very ancient ladies that were chain smokers, <laughs> and they sat in the back and everything, pasted up things. Everything that came out of them had a little tinge to it, Yeah, maybe. totally. And sometimes, you know, <laughs> we'd ship the ad to the newspapers, and once, actually, the logo fell off. Oh, good. The bay <laughs> so, That's not important. But you know what? Everyone knew, because the bay had, we had a distinctive look and typeface and, you know, graphic standards. And, yeah. So it was okay. It's kind of the big name. Yeah, oh, up totally. Here. And another really crazy flub, actually, that I remember back then was um, there was something called the Lake City Warehouse. And one of the paste up artists and the typesetter, I think she was leaving or something, changed it to the Lake City Whorehouse. Just changed <laughs> one word and it ran like that. Oh, <laughs> so, mm, okay. Like, so no problems there. Some weird things sometimes happen. <laughs> Somebody's not getting a recommendation letter. No. That's oh, right. boy. Uh, <laughs> kids, don't quit your jobs like that. That's, that's not a good energy no. to go out on. Uh, there mm. will be problems. <laughs> yeah. Let's say. Um, you're at the Bay. It's opening you up to this world of kind of like designing for department stores, designing for yeah, retail. Art direction. Yeah. Like, which is, I mean, it's also like a pretty big thing to step directly into the role oh, yeah. of art director. Well, honestly, within a few years, I was like the senior person there because people were, wow. had left. And then, uh, they took, I was there for five years. They, they took the advertising department national. So they went back east, and we they closed down our department. 
But I loved working there. Like we were on the fifth floor of the flagship building here and the pet department was next door. They had one. And sometimes we'd get birds flying into our office and escaped. It was was fun. It was really fun. Talk about a great office. Like surprise bird day. Although mm-hmm. I could also see how that would be a very bad day also. Yeah, no, for sure. I'm just doing some very precise work. Oh, God, it hurts. <laughs> yeah. So you've been in this role, like this leadership role at the Bay for a while. What was your next step? Where did you go after that? Actually, it was 1986 and Expo was coming to Vancouver. So a friend oh. of mine, he had a Volkswagen minibus and we thought, you know, if I don't get a job, let's start a little tour company. <laughs> And take tourists around. But within about a month, I had a job. What I did is I actually sent out a lot of resumes. And I actually phoned up Woodward's first. And they told me, the receptionist told me that they're not looking for anyone. And Woodward's but is like a, it was a big department store chain. It was a big chain. department store in Western Canada. Yeah. So what I did, I thought, you know, I'm still going to drop off a resume package anyway. And it goes to show that you should never listen to the receptionist. Oh, and also they like, know. you know, yeah. sometimes places will list jobs, but they will also yeah. have jobs that are, you know, yeah. created for you. So like, totally, yeah. And I feel like that's almost the more common <laughs> scenario. Exactly. So, you know, needless to say, I got a call back. I was there for a longer time because we had some weird things happen there that they were going to close down the in-house department because Pama Javis, and now DDB, they got the account. Because I was actually literally hired by, not Woodward's, I was hired by Foster, Foster Young, Ross Anthony and Associates, who were in an ad agency at the time. So we were working in-house, but being on their payroll. Oh, okay. It was a really strange setup. And yeah. They had lost the account and PJ got it. But in, in the time in between, because they needed to keep pumping out ads, one of the guys in accounting decided to take on the payroll himself. So he oh. started his own company. <laughs> okay. I know, because he wanted to keep us going. I think probably the Woodward family had something to do with it, too. So we were coasting like that for about a year. And then when DDB, or Pama Javis at the time, got the account, I had to go and be interviewed again to work there. <laughs> and luckily, <laughs> I got in. So I was working there. and then You're kind of interviewing to get the job that you already have. Yeah, exactly. And then, but not only once, it happened again. Oh, God, then, no. Oh, yeah. So Peachy had it for a while. And they won awards even for some of the ads and everything. And then they decided to take it back in house. <laughs> so now, here I am again. Oh, we realize we're losing a lot of money doing oh, this. Whoops. Was, no, it was crazy. So then I had to be re-interviewed again at Woodward's by a different person. <laughs> to get my job back. So I don't even know how many years it took, but it was, uh, I was at Woodward's till 1993 when they closed down. That was probably the last Woodward's employee in the downtown flagship store. Yeah, I I heard, before the show we were talking about that, like you kind of shut out the lights at the Oh yeah, and boy did we have fun. It was me and my, and uh, another one of my best friends, Nigel Young, who was also a partner at Hangar 18 in the early days and was with me for 15 years. We were running our own little Vita and Nigel creative out of the Woodwards building. And the Bay had bought Woodwards and they converted it later to other stores. So the guys from the Bay were there and we were working next door and doing our own thing, loving it, working for all the ad agencies in town as Vita and Nigel creative. We were winning all kinds of awards as just the two of us. And uh, that's how I met my now life partner, Dean Ponto, when we were doing freelance at BBDO. But we actually didn't get together till years later, and that's another whole long story I don't want to get into. But it's, it's, um, it was pretty cool. But Nigel and I are very close friends. I was his best man, best woman at his wedding because wow. I actually introduced him to his wife. I hired her at Woodward's. Oh. And when Dean and I got married four years ago, Nigel walked me down the aisle. Oh my gosh. So we're super close. Like I still have Nigel on his, the night before his wedding, he gave me a gold locket engraved. Semper Prevacence, Vida, love Nigel. You know, it was always present, you know. So there's, he's definitely, I consider us like Scully and Mulder. (laughs) In fact, we saw them once. They were shooting X-Files on a rainy day. Oh yeah, because they shot like the first like five seasons or something up here, right? Yeah, but the other thing that Nigel and I did, we were working from my 
apartment for a while. And just to set matters clear, we're that relationship totally Scully Mulder clean. So, um, we're best <laughs> the friends. events of the X Files movie did not happen. No, no, you. those did not happen. But we were so busy doing work for agencies that we hired my sister to go find us a space. I gave her five dollars for each space she went to look at. Had, is this because Woodward's caught on that you were doing a different business in their business? No, no, they oh. didn't care. No, oh. they, they were no, there was no. I kid you not, there were no managers. There was actually three of us left in the in the Woodwards. Me. Nigel wasn't even employed by them anymore. Wait, but we were... so so the drawdown was that gradual that it was just yes, like... Yes, yes. I was don't know. Me and one other guy who was delivering the ads to the publications. Um, huh. So Richard Lee. His name was Richard Lee. So the three, really the two of us were the last employees, Richard and I. Wow. And then Nigel was working from the building, even though he wasn't really supposed to even be there. <laughs> but we, what we used to do, we'd roam around and we found all kinds of cool things between the walls. <laughs> <laughs> what? Why? What? Well, you know, in the department store, because it's an old building. Oh, so and there's it was like between the actual gyp rock of the wall and the outer shell of the building, it was a space. So we were like rats. We were going through all these tunnels. We found all these walking sticks in the nurse's office area. Oh, Probably God! Old people that either croaked there or got taken to. <laughs> We're hidden behind another wall. Oh yeah, we we had we found all sorts of interesting things. Oh my god! Which, so it was a strange time, but a, a fun time. I'm glad you didn't get cask of amontillado or whatever no. it is. <laughs> you read Edgar Allan Poe, I see. Yeah, <laughs> I, I can vaguely pronounce too. Edgar Allan Poe books. Uh, yeah. No. Um. No. No it emails was... about what the correct pronunciation or spelling <laughs> is of that book. Cask of amontillado. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. I like but, the telltale heart myself. Those heartbeat <laughs> under the floorboards. <laughs> I feel like the floor should be a little thicker. The the heartbeat should not cause the floor to move. No. That's like a structural issue with the building. Oh, totally. Get get on it wherever it is that that book takes place. Yeah. London, maybe? Yeah, no, Baltimore? Totally. Oh, actually, I've got another funny side story about the Woodwoods building. When all the employees were leaving, we did a wake. So we all wore black and we were getting our picture taken. We had a group shot taken. And the funny thing is, is we had left all these candles, but stupidly enough, put the candles in wax cups. Oh, and we we left the room and then the the desk that they were on caught fire. (laughs) We had to to go there. We were all, we got blotters, like desk blotters, and we were trying to put out the fire. Burnt the building down. <laughs> you you gave it a Viking funeral. Uh, yeah, we did. Uh, we certainly wow. did. That's yeah. That <laughs> they probably they probably shouldn't have let go of the security guards first. It sounds no, like. they did have security guards, but they weren't really checking much stuff. Oh, I these are these are security guards who maybe have turned the off door. the monitors, turned yeah, them over yeah. to a hockey game or something. It, I think so. <laughs> it was pretty funny. It was those were. Days. What what kind of work were you doing at Woodward's when it was still a going okay. concern, of course? Well, a lot of it was art direction. And of course, Woodward's had the regular stuff that went on sale every week. But we had some high-end fashion stuff. We had all sorts of different things that we'd be advertising. And we'd put together these beautiful catalogs for Christmas. And one of my really crazy stories and things that went wrong was the Woodward's Christmas catalog that we wanted to shoot up at Whistler. I came up with this idea of, hey, let's do this very nice emotional thing. We start off with a spread with a dad taking his son out to get a Christmas tree. Sure. On a snowy, beautiful landscape. Very Christmassy. Yeah. And one thing you should know is usually the catalog's done in late spring or early summer and there's not much <laughs> snow. So that's why I thought, well, maybe this yeah. is up at Whistler. So I phoned them and they said, oh yeah, there's snow up on the glacier. So we ended up going there. But the thing that they neglected to tell me was, first of all, there was a team doing blasting up there on the other side of the mountain. I'm sorry, what? Blasting. They were breaking rocks. I don't know what. They were building (laughs) something. And they also didn't tell me that all the snow that was up there was on vertical surfaces. Great, great. And it had this horrible red moss or mildew or something on it. So it was just the weirdest thing. And... We, the photographer, he ended up 
taking his four-wheel drive and blowing out the, what do you call it, <laughs> axle or something. Oh, no. Yeah, and it was just a nightmare. So we had to take very limited crew. So there was me, the model that we'd hired to be the father, and the photographer took his nephew because that way he could minimize parents, and there was an assistant. That's four of us. So we get up there. And then we see there's no snow. We said, okay, well, we can always airbrush it later. And this is before Photoshop. So we thought, you know, we'll get a really good airbrush artist. Yeah. I mean, it, all the snow. It sounds like a big airbrushing job. It was a big airbrushing job. But I'll get to that. That's another oh, story. No. So, <laughs> so anyway, we had this tree up, you know, tied to the roof. And we get up there after a big ordeal. And then the kid starts crying. He was like five years old. He didn't want to go with the model. Oh! And here we had spent all this time and effort and money to get up there. So I thought, how am I going to do this? And I think an important part of being a good creative director is being a good problem solver. So I said to the photographer, I said, Andy, why don't you get into the clothes from the model? And we'll, and why don't you be the dad? He was a good looking guy. So I thought, you know what? He can take his nephew and pretend he's his dad. And he, he fit the clothes, luckily. So here we are paying this model for the whole day, and he's out there with a metal detector looking for stuff skiers lost in the crevices. <laughs> he's looking for... Wait, so if the photographer's the model, who's taking the photo? The assistant. The assistant took <laughs> okay, the photo. I was God. out directing, and the assistant basically took the photo. <laughs> So the photo turned out great, but of course it was a bunch of barren rock. Yeah. Uh, the model just had a fun day looking for, you know, stuff that skiers had lost on their on the slopes. <laughs> so anyway, after that we, I found a quarter. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. Hey, a necklace, a, a watch, whatever. So we went back to the studio and then I thought, what am I gonna do now? I can't show this to anyone. I have to get this retouched. So the photographer made this beautiful print. So I thought I have to find a really good airbrush artist. And apparently there was a new guy in town who was amazing. The only problem was he was from South Africa and he had never seen snow. <laughs> yeah, that's 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 a problem. That is a problem. Yeah, it was a problem. So he went away, did the airbrushing, and the model was walking on top of the snow. Like they weren't sinking. The feet weren't sinking into the snow. <laughs> so I had to. Well, they have get the that. new the new hover boots that you can only get at Woodward's. <laughs> right, yeah. yeah. So I had to have that. Fixed. But in the very end, it came out beautiful. We converted it to sepia tone, and which was forgiving, and it looked lovely. It was a really nice opening spread. So you couldn't even tell that it wasn't, you know, it was like a like a no LL Bean ad. No, yeah, wow. it looked really really nice. You know, so I'm quite proud of that. That's incredible. I mean, that... the ordeal we went through to to get there. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, also, like, what happened? So the photographer's car is busted up yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. How, how do you even get a well, we busted got, car down? We got down. He'd Actually, I don't think it was the axle. I think it was the brakes. That's much worse. Is, <laughs> I guess so. It's pretty going downhill. Yeah. I mean, you. it goes down good. It's just the yeah. ceasing to go down that's going <laughs> to totally, be the problem yeah, there. Yeah, but something. I. Don't quote me. It was a long time ago. Something happened to his car. But, but I think maybe he had some brakes left, but very little. Enough to get us down <laughs> safely. We didn't die on the way down, so that's all good. So that was, you know, the art direction stuff. But there were a lot of high-end, like, fashion. I did lots and lots of fashion with Howard Fry, photographer. And a lot of it we did on location. And sometimes with fashion, you're shooting for the fall in the summer and vice versa. Yeah. We will get samples from Asia before the merchandise gets here. Mm. And a lot of the samples, as you may not know, are usually very small sizes. So we had this shoot booked and we'd hired a whole crew and photographers and everything. It was going to be at Kitsilano Beach and it was going to be people playing volleyball and jumping up and down the sand. So we get these shorts. I remember they were bright yellow shorts. And the, the model's ass was like twice the size of the shorts. <laughs> How are we going to do this? So we came up with a solution. We actually, we cut the shorts in the back and taped them to his ass. <laughs> and it was the only way to do it. And so this poor guy, he had to look like he was leaping and enjoying himself. So after a while, a crowd started to gather around. They were laughing their heads off. Luckily, it was still photography. So you couldn't hear the laughter. But that was quite 
the funny shoot. I'll never forget that one. So these are just, is he like wearing underwear and in the front? No, it was bare ass with, with masking tape in the back. Well, yeah, I, I think that's going to cause a crowd to gather. Yeah, yeah, to be yeah. Sure. Oh, totally. Yeah. You can imagine what it looked like from behind. It was just <laughs> ridiculous. Yeah. So, you know, with these fashion shoots, and that, this was before digital cameras. So everything was on transparency film. Oh, yeah. And I was at the photographer's studio, and he gave me a whole roll of transparency film, and it was a $10,000 shoot <gasps> that we had. And I took a cab back to the office. And I get back to the office. I thought, and of course, there's only one copy of these shots, and the flyer had to be put out in a week. I go, oh my God, I left the transparencies in the cab. Oh, so you Are can they imagine. like in a, in a canister or like? They were just a roll. They weren't even in a canister. Oh, they so were just, just this... a roll that taped together. I thought, oh my God, what Ugh. am I going to do? And here I was. I thought, oh crap, I'm going to get into real shit from my boss. <laughs> <laughs> this is like 10 grand and no images for the flyer yeah so i frantically with my heart in my throat was phoning the cab company and luckily i was so lucky they actually found the driver and you know if he had t- picked up another passenger the passenger would have sat on them yeah washed them or something oh god so i got them back and you know and usually in those days it meant you'd have you get all these transparencies and there'd be lots of shots and you'd have to sit there with a little light table and a loop and go through them all and mark them. Yeah. So I got really good and fast at editing photography. And you look for certain things. And you know that people look at flyers, it's a quick emotional response. So I used that. I used my intuitive eye to figure out, you know, hey, this looks natural. It doesn't look too posy. And Howard Fry was an amazing photographer. He, what I love about working with him, and he worked a lot in the States for Nordstrom's and the Gap and all kinds of other great companies, he just clicked the shutter at the right moment. And I've worked with other photographers and they always missed the shot because there's that emotional thing that happens in the moment. It's such a hard thing. It's a hard thing, yeah. There's a lot of nuances that people don't realize that go into fashion photography, like sort of more lifestyle photography, I'd say, because fashion can be very staged and set up. You know, if you do it more like in what I call uh, sort of graphic Oh, yeah, spreads, yeah. You know, and then that's a little easier because you really set up everything. You're creating this totally an artificial yeah, totally. environment that you can control every aspect of. Yeah, yeah. And just so you know, with these flyers, I would sketch everything by marker uh, as to what I'm looking for. So th- I would show these sketches to the photographer so they knew exactly what we had to do. And we'd have a pre-production meeting. Uh, we'd figure out the models. We'd figure out any styling, any props, locations, all that stuff at these pre-pro meetings, which are very important. But things still go wrong, you know, like things happen. Like the time another very embarrassing story <laughs> happened. <laughs> this, they were, this was just too funny. We, Woodworth would run these full-page ads every weekend for usually lingerie, underwear, and bras. And so we get all these sample bras, and the models that we'd booked were all fairly flat-chested. And this one bra that was called the Olga bra, it was made for larger and like boobs. And I was so embarrassed, but it was my size. <laughs> and so, and this young male photographer was shooting this at the time. And I thought, oh my God, how am I going to do this? And luckily it, my head wouldn't be in the shot because they were just, of course, focused on the bra. Yeah. Part. So I went and I did the shoot and I just was, Oh my God, it was just the most humiliating time of my life having to stand in his studio in my bra. <laughs> and then later when we got the shots back, I remember the, the copywriter that was proofing the copy. He goes, oh, wow, look at this one. He had oh, no idea God. it was me. He had, oh. he did not know that it was me and I kept my mouth Ooh. shut. It was just. <laughs> yikes. <laughs> I know, it was yikes. It was yikes. It was hilarious though. But the funniest part of this was about a year later, like, first of all, I didn't want to ever hire this photographer again because I was too embarrassed to look him in the face. <laughs> it was just too embarrassing. I mean, I'm sure he's seen all oh, kinds sure, of things. Oh, I'm sure, but I was so naive. I was young and stupid, too. And I thought, you know, I just can't bear the embarrassment. I, could, I was so humiliated. And then I started dating this guy whose brother had a block party. 
Turns out that photographer lived on that block. Oh, no. <laughs> so he was, that was the next time I saw him. Did he remember so you? Of course he did. Oh, God. <laughs> it was just so embarrassing. It was, it was crazy. So that was the brachiasco. <laughs> yeah, and then the sort of the last and funniest, I think, is, uh, of course, we'd sometimes do these high-end fashion shoots, and we had this fashion model that I had spec'd, hey, let's make it really elegant and have her, her walking a greyhound. So I had this all booked and ready to go, and then I got sick, so I couldn't be at the shoot oh. to actually shoot it. And plus, the photographer didn't show me the dog ahead of time. No. Well, I mean, so this is we also scrambling. a time when, like, that was a lot harder to do. You can't just oh, text yeah. a picture no, to somebody. You can't, no. And so he assured me he had a greyhound booked. So he thought he had a full-size greyhound booked. But the mm. dog that showed up was, like, the size of a chihuahua. It was, like, slightly <laughs> bigger. So here we had this long, tall, lanky woman with this little... <laughs> little beast paris hilton sized dog totally totally even though he had features like a greyhound that's very odd so then the photographer he said okay i'll try something i'll try blowing up the dog and we can retouch it oh so he blew up the dog it looked like a giant rat it was just the most (laughs) thing. so we couldn't have this woman walking a rat (laughs) no it's a luxury fashion rat yeah yeah all the the All the richest, fashion. fanciest people have them now. <laughs> oh, I know. It was You don't nuts. have a luxury rat? I know. It's ridiculous. So we ended up ended up just cropping the dog out and getting <laughs> and retouching the leash out too. <laughs> so we had no choice. <laughs> the ad was running in a couple of days and we had to improvise with something. Is her hand like posed in a way like she's holding a leash well, or sort of, yeah. But you know what? It, it, it could be like a runway model. I just went with the least weird looking one <laughs> i yeah i that's probably the best call i mean yeah. what can you do <laughs> i know yeah it was it was not so those are some of the crazy things that ha- can happen and you have to really think on the spot because you have deadlines to deal with absolutely you have to come up with a solution because there's money at stake there's ad space booked yeah there's all sorts of stuff like you're even as an art director you are constantly trying to negotiate these things with yeah. the client and like trying to figure out like what what is it that we can do with the resources oh, that we have totally problem solve and sometimes yeah. you know even now we do a lot of real estate work and sometimes we'll do site signage and there'll be things obscuring certain parts of the site so you have to come up with a way to work around that and make it work yeah you know, so the things can go wrong you know, and <laughs> that's why when you're in school, definitely just you, you're so lucky when you're in school because you don't have clients breathing down your neck. You can be creative. Yeah. You can, if you use your time wisely, you can come up with amazing things and they shouldn't go wrong. Like <laughs> it's not <laughs> ideally, but ideally, yeah. Yeah. Although sometimes, yeah. Sure. <laughs> I, I, you know, if there's a will, there's a way oh, when totally. it comes to making yeah. mistakes. I've found. Yeah. No. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I've kind of. <laughs> oh, and there's one other one I'll share with you. Oh, that, sure. Uh, Absolutely. We used to do this book for House Squares called Showcase, and I was doing a cover. That we were going to shoot it in, in the Dinosaur Park in Edmonton. And I got flown out there. What What is the dinosaur park? It's like a theme park. Oh. And are there Edmonton. Like dinosaurs? Like... Yeah, they have these giant dinosaurs like built. Like, these big oh, thank God. Okay. So yeah. this is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> They've yeah. learned the lesson of Jurassic Park. No, totally. Park. So I, we, I hired an Edmonton photographer who I'd never worked with. And we get to this uh, dinosaur park. But the guy that was supposed to meet us, it didn't meet us on time. So we ended up thinking, oh, my God, we're going to lose the light. The light's going to go to hell, and we're not going to get our shots. So we're like, well, okay, well, let's break in. So we actually <laughs> just decided to go over okay. the fence. So the photographer boosted me over the fence, and I was wearing these pants. And I ripped my pants over the fence. And I was only in Edmonton for the day. I had to come back on the plane that same evening. <laughs> After, after your your break in at the dinosaur yeah park. totally but we managed to get in and we got the shot and it, it all went well but then on the flight home uh there were some other people from the agency i was working at on the time on the flight and here i was with this giant rip in my pants. yeah how how big how big is this rip it was a big flap oh 
Yeah, that's that's not an easy sewing kit. No, fix. and there was no time to to fix it. There was no time to even go out and get get a needle and thread. It was it was crazy. <laughs> <laughs> but you you got what you needed to get out yeah, of it, totally, and that's the yeah. most important part. Exactly. Um, yeah. You're at Hangar 18 now, which yes. you founded. Yes. Um, yes. What what is it that Hangar Eighteen like does? You mentioned like well, some real estate branding, stuff. We're right now one of our main pillars is sustainability and real estate. Those are the two main pillars right now. In the all the years we've been around, because we've been around since nineteen ninety six, and we've had many different types of clients and a lot of branding. We branded YVR back in the nineties. The airport? Yeah, the airport. Oh, <laughs> that's yeah, quite a big project. Sean, my partner Sean actually designed that logo, but we all worked on it. We had. At one time, we had 2,000 dockets open. Oh, my was, God. It was no. crazy. And the, the company, <laughs> oh, I know, it was nuts. We had 22 people working for us. Ooh. And there were three, we had three partners, Sean and uh, Nigel and myself. Well, that's only 100 projects each. About. Yeah. No, it was great. Those were the really good old days, the 80s, when there was lots of budget and lots of great stuff. We did a lot of work in many different areas. Yeah. Some mining stuff, annual reports, lots of things. But 2008, the big crash, and then uh, we ended up, you know, having to do a pivot. Companies now only with only five of us, which is actually I prefer. You've got more control because that's how we started. Yeah. And my new partner, Dean Ponto, both my life partner and my business partner, he and I, we've made a go of it. Yeah. I mean, that's that's really fantastic. Yeah. Um, no, yeah, it's great. And we hire our interns from. The CAP idea program every summer. Oh. We've already got one lined up for next year. So if if there's any idea program listeners out there, yeah. uh, <laughs> get get ready for that call. Yeah. No, ne- next summer is already booked. But... Oh. <laughs> then don't. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, hold your horses then, I guess. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Our students actually who ask me early, they get priorities. <laughs> oh. Well, I think, I mean, that's a kind of lesson. It's like you, yeah. you have to ask. Oh, yeah. It's Asking like... is kind of the secret. People ask, what, what's the secret to getting into this field? You ask. You ask. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Talk You're to totally, people. Totally right. And also the early bird catches the worm. You've got to be on top of it. Absolutely. You can't sort of think things are going to fall into your lap. You have to take it. Carpe diem. Yeah. You got to go out and chase it. <laughs> yeah, you do. You do. And sometimes you're lucky too. You just happen to be at the right place at the right time, which I've been lucky enough to be. Yeah. So. Well, but I, I mean, to... I think to get where you are, you had to be like really, really talented just from the get go, too. Well, you had to work hard too. Yeah. Like, uh, you can't underestimate the the importance of being a very hard worker. Because even I remember the years at Climate Javis, I used to just put my nose to the grindstone, you know, and that was the only way to really get ahead. And especially in the 80s, being a woman, too. Things were a little bit harder for us back then. I mean, there were it, in this industry especially. definitely a lot, a lot fewer women. Totally. Like, Think of in Mad advertising Men. and in design. Oh like, yeah, like Mad Men. It was like the tail years of that era, you know. So it was quite male dominated, you know. But now, thank goodness, things have changed. It's for the better. If people want to find more about your work, yeah. where can they do it? H eighteen dot com for Hangar eighteen Design Continuum. That's probably the best. I've also got. A, I'm on LinkedIn. Just look for my name <laughs> you you have a very active linkedin page from what i saw like, well it's not as active as it could be i'm really bad at keeping it up I linkedin is twitter a hard much. thing to engage with i've yeah <laughs> it is yeah my twitter is pretty lame i gotta say and so is my instagram but you can't do it all <laughs> i'm hungry 18 instagram i get at some of my employees to do that because the odd thing we post there but my LinkedIn is probably the most active. And I also have to shout out to the RGD and the GDC. Oh, yes. They've both been great, especially the RGD lately. I've just had so much support from them from Toronto. They put on Design Thinkers, and uh, they've really been wonderful supporters. And yeah. I've been quite involved with them over the last couple of years. And Design Thinkers is like a, is it like an annual kind of design talks yeah. festival thing? Yeah, there's one coming up in Toronto in November, I think it is, or October. I'm not sure. So we had just had one this early summer here in Vancouver. A lot of great people come to those. And if, I mean, if we have any listeners in the States and oh, you yeah. want to find out what's going on design-wise in Canada, that's probably a great yeah. thing to check out. Well, thank you. Thank you again, Vita, for oh, being on the show. Thank you, Sean. It's been a real pleasure meeting you. Oh, and... it's been a pleasure meeting you, too. <laughs> and and also, mm-hmm. hey, listener, thank you to you. That's right. I'm talking to you personally. 
if you are listening to the show and you like it, maybe you're even hearing it for the first time. Who knows? You know, we're starting off a new season. Could be we get some new listeners. Why not take this opportunity to subscribe to it in whatever podcast player you love? There are so many of them. But it means that if you love podcasts, there's many options for you to listen to this show in. And hey, why not do so from our brand new website, Did I Do That Design? There's a lot of stuff there. In addition to that, you can find some good, good images that go along with each episode. Did you know that I do that? I do. And you can also find those on Instagram. So yes, this is Did I Do That? Um, and as we always say in the closing of every episode... what did i do that (laughs) thanks so much okay bye no i that's exactly the reaction i wanted thank you Great. Your eyes were so uh, <laughs> I know. I have to I remember did, what I was I, I no, I, I I honestly look, the part of part of the gag there is that there is nothing that we say consistently <laughs> at the end of the show. Um thank you. He might come in. Yeah, maybe we'll pull him into the show, have have some conversations about it. Yeah, he usually doesn't talk to me. He usually listens to his cell phone. That's the only problem. But maybe he'll... Oh, he's one of yeah, the... But I don't have headphones and I don't want headphones. He, he's guys. an older guy, so I don't know. I don't. I never talked to him, but just warning you in case he... Wants. I, you know, I, it's so funny. I had, a, I had an uh-huh. interaction with one of those guys this uh-huh. morning. I'm staying at UBC in yeah. their conference housing, which is really oh, yeah. their dorms. Yeah. yeah. Um, and the whole time I've been there, it's been like... 16 year olds like yeah children uh-huh. um loud 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 children yeah um but i i came out of my room this morning uh-huh. the children are gone i don't yeah. know what happened but they have been replaced with I, I would say men about 20 years my senior oh wow and i don't it's some kind of convention yeah like i or... it was like i is there like an aging disease am i <laughs> 20 years older than i was last night um but in in the bathroom, uh, uh-huh. there was a guy who. This is th- some of this is speculation because I could not see what he had, but yeah. he, what seemed to be playing on his phone was an episode of Mr. Bean. Um, <laughs> <laughs> if that's, that's what he means, then I guess that's good for that's him. Too but funny. I I don't. Well, maybe it's a convention of. A comedy convention or something. <laughs> or Mr. Bean lovers or Rowan Atkinson admirers. Yeah, Rowan's, Rowan's uh, promoting man versus bee at yeah, UBC. Yeah, yeah. <laughs>